Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brenton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello there. Hello there indeed. Hello, Matt. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. The gruesome twosome. Come oh, back to talk about yes. guitar stuff again. We are. Again, again. I I, I feel awful, Matt. I I've, uh, <laughs> I I stayed in bed right up until you uh, messaged me to start the podcast, more or less. I got up, made myself a little dinner. And, of uh, uh, paracetamol. And, uh, <laughs> no, I was going to mix a bunch of uh, medicines there. Not a good idea. Don't listen to that. Uh, paracetamol, plenty of water. Mm. And uh, perhaps a vegan sausage roll. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Yes. No, I uh, I, uh, I just had a, like a, a little Kiev thing and some broccoli. That was all I could work <laughs> out how to do. Just ba- barely here. I've got an alcohol-free beer here now to drink and some water. I didn't think about taking paracetamol and painkillers. I should have done that. I always forget that. Jo- I, I'm, I, uh, I am definitely one of those people that avoids taking painkillers as much as possible. Oh. Um, yeah, I just Why? always like, I don't know. I'm always just like, oh, I've got to have take the pain. Yeah, you just you don't want to get too used to, you know, mm-hmm. taking that stuff. Mm. Um, apart from, yeah, when you're really sick, then it's definitely, definitely advisable. That's why, yeah. uh, you know, not that this is the health, the Joe Brenton and Matt Knight's health <laughs> podcast. I think we could both deal with being a little healthier. Um, CBD gummies. Game changer, Joe. Get into yeah, you, you're big into those, aren't you? I You've am. recommended those to me in the past. Yeah, I think. I, I think. Yeah, I, I tend to t- do things that have the opposite effect. So, I, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. I meant. I, I meant. I take like baobab powder and stuff, like natural energizers and things like that. I had uh, some of that today. We, well, a CBD is technically natural. It's just a bunch of other stuff around it. Most of them are vegan. You know, good oh, for you, you Mr. Branton. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, anyway, shall we? Yeah. Anyway, yes, <laughs> why, yes. why are you feeling so bad, Joe? <laughs> well, well, obviously, last week when we did the podcast, it was like the day after the um, Birmingham guitar show, and so I'd had two pretty solid days of of you know of being at a guitar show and 
partying a little bit in the evenings and then it's been a, a very full week of work and then I was straight off again this weekend because it was Portals Festival in London and dear listener if you want to experience interesting weird new music where it, it could be anything I thoroughly recommend Portals every year I mean yes for f- fine my band did get booked but that's of course that's, that's there's, not many, there's not that many bands they can book yeah um, <laughs> that's true yeah. but um but it is an excellent weird um music festival that takes place at um the tufnell dome three venues there you get like the tufnell dome the boston music rooms and they also have a smaller stage at aces and eights which is a lovely little bar um, mm-hmm. just just opposite so it takes place in three venues which is great so you can kind of knock between you know the main stage at tufnell park uh, and then the second room in Boston Music Rooms and Aces and Eights. And there's nothing, you, you know, They the clash times are, are very well worked out. So you, you get to see an awful lot of music. Oh, that's good. So is it all in one venue or is it like kind of, like they're very, very close to each other? Yeah, it's weird to, it's, it's uh, I guess um, Tufnell Park and, uh, sorry, Tufnell Dome and Boston Music Rooms are technically one building but they are sort of separated, uh, as it were. So upstairs is the Dome, which is a larger venue. Downstairs is the Boston Music Rooms. And then the the other one, Aces and Eights, is literally across a a little road outside. So that is a separate... That one's very small. Aces and Eights, you could probably cram 50 people in there. It's very much... used to be the acoustic stage, but they put a lot of full bands on um, this time round, which I think had its pros and its cons, to be honest. Like, there there was a lot of stuff that... It was a festival and there are a lot of weird bands. And when it's weird bands, that tends to mean that they're playing often smaller venues to smaller crowds. So one of the nice things about something like Paul's is getting to see what these bands can really do when they're given a big, you know, thousand cap venue like the um, like the Tufnell Dome or I think the Boston Music Rooms is a sort of 600 cap. So, you know, oh, it's wow. nice. Um, it's it's nice to see bands on those larger stages, but if they get aces and eights, essentially you're seeing a floor show, you know. And so it's the same It's the same thing as if you were, you know, just going to a pub to see them. So you lose that grandeur. So it's a, a bit of a shame. But, um, mm. but, you know, it's still the 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 other two venues are still wonderful, and it's lovely to see some of the some of the music there. Obviously, just like any other festival, it was uh, uh, it was fraught with you know cancellations, bands not you know they weren't able to get over as many uh, bands from the states or from mainland Europe that they would mm. normally get. So, and and lots of you know it wasn't just that, lots of last minute cancellations due to COVID restrictions and things like that. I mean, yeah, very sadly, the headlining band for the for one of the days, L Ten Eleven, had to pull out because they were they were in a position where, um, you know, due to I guess the the rising costs in everything to do with this. They weren't going to make enough money. They'd lost a couple of other tour dates, and they literally weren't going to make enough money to come over Ugh. from the states to to make to make it worth their while, which was such a shame because they're such a fantastic band and and they're you know a, a, a decent full time band. So it's you know it sucks when you hear about financial troubles happening with those sort of developed artists, you know, as, as well as with the smaller ones. Mm, I was going to say, are they a full time band? Because um, you know you see a lot of bands that yeah people have full-time jobs they still a golden tour but you know they've got a, a fallback like another job but yeah full-time you know that's someone's livelihood yeah you know isn't it yeah. um 
So yeah, that that sucks. <laughs> so what do you know? I guess what did they do? You know, did people move up the bill? When did you they, play, Joe? They did, they did, did a bit you? of moving around of of bands, and they got in a couple of last minute replacements, but obviously not really. You don't get headliners in last minute, so it was you know some some other bands came into fill slots earlier on on the bill. We were playing the the Sunday, the second day. It was a Saturday and Sunday festival. We had the Boston Music Rooms, which is the second the the mid sized one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a 7 p.m. slot. I think there was only one band after us on that stage, so the sort of penultimate headliner on the middle stage was a fantastic slot. A little concerned that it was the Sunday because Portals is also known as being very much a party festival. And so right. being late on the day, on a Sunday, um, and of course it's, you know, Tufnell Park isn't incredibly connected on the tube. No, uh, no. Um, dear, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with London's layout, it's kind of the the, the real dark end of the Northern Line. So it's... Uh, you know so so getting back you know the the headliners were were i think were starting at like half 10 you know so it was wow. uh, getting back on a sunday would be an, a, a real effort for people and i and i think you know towards the end people did see a lot of bands did see a little bit of drop off on the sunday uh, for people having to make it home we didn't which was wonderful we played to an absolutely packed stage that oh, amazing was, it was, yeah it was very I was very make, lovely i was about to make a joke about like did seven people <laughs> stick around for polymath but i'm not like mark packham and jay cross you know i i, I like your band <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so no that's really good that's uh i mean again positive after you know hear a lot you know to, i've been to a lot of gigs recently you know biggest one yeah was uh Alexandra Palace, Ali Pally, um, amazing venue. And, you know, first time to be at a gig of that size for, what, you know, two years or so, you know, obviously um, Brixton Academy. So it's really good to go out and see some, a lot more live music. In some ways, I think it's sort of compressed. Two years is compressed into the, like, the next uh, three or four months. So people are, there's mm. a lot of people eager. Unfortunately, yeah, Tufnell Park, maybe not perhaps the most well-connected. Yeah. Um but yeah, and and I guess a lot of other friends of the podcast kind of playing Alpha Male Tea Party, Alpha Male Tea Party, yeah, um, that's right. Last Hyena. Who I don't know, I, I don't think uh, um, you've uh, you've met Matt, but they they are uh, avid listeners of the podcast. Mm. And also aiming for Enrique, uh, band yes. I'm uh, a big fan of uh, for the guitar players looping exploits um amazing on the kind of looper front he does some great stuff um there i think they're a two-piece um yeah. but yeah absolutely amazing i also noticed on the bill there's a band called inviolet and a band called no violet <laughs> so right, i don't yeah. know how uh, how close they were on the bill but that could be um <laughs> bizarre and my favorite of all the band names is asian death crustacean <laughs> yeah they're really good i really like that band um but yeah, so uh, what sort of what sort of gear was there, Joe? Can you remember? Yes, <laughs> I certainly can. Well, Orange um, sponsored the festival. Orange, I tell you what, are doing a great job of sponsoring a lot of music events at the moment. Certainly, they sponsored and provided backline for Strange Forms Festival, the Leeds Weird oh, Music right. Festival that I spoke about a few weeks ago, and they um, they provided the gear for all three stages. Um, at, at portals as well which is great because you know it's such a good brand to do that sort of thing because it does such their gear is so hardy <laughs> you know the big sort of 20 mil mm. marine ply it's exactly what you want and of course it means that there'll be 
it's kind of orange are a great brand to have in place to just get the job done no matter what is required you know that the heads are going to be rock verb 50s a couple of 412s you know it's going to be an 810 and in this case, I think it was their four-stroke head. I was um, going to say, I can't even... Um, I can't even remember what bass amps they make. Well, the a- AD200 is the big one for them. Ah, of course, yeah. The classic. But, um, but, you know, to be honest, like the four-stroke, a, a solid-state, high-wattage head is probably almost a better shout than than a valve head, you know, depending on what people are going to be using with it. Like, I, I don't... I've never tried this because I don't play them, but I imagine, like, a five-string bass or something like that potentially is not so suited to a vintage-sounding valve head, mm. whereas, you know, kind of a, a good kind of full-range-ish, solid-state um, bass head is a bit more all-purpose. Yeah, I was just actually on their their site because I needed reminding. So, do the the four stroke is that the same as the OB one and the OB three hundred, or is the four stroke an older thing? So, on their website now, they're listing eighty two hundred, and then their two crush amps twenty five and fifty uh-huh. and hundred. Sorry, three crush amps. The Terra bass, which I still think I remember when I was playing in a in a punk band, we were tour- doing a lot of gigs across London. Like everyone was using Terra bass heads um absolute classic yeah and then you've got ob1 500 ob1 300 8200 and the little bass thing if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Which hmm. I don't remember ever <laughs> coming out. I might have missed it, um, but yeah, that looks that's like a five hundred watt Class D, tiny little solid state um, 
Basamp. The time has come on this week's podcast to hear some gear, so let's check out some of the complete guitar amplification and effect solutions available from Neural DSP and their plugins. We've teamed up with Neural DSP a bunch over the last year or two. Matt and I are big fans of what they do, and we'd like you to become part of that. So use discount code GUITARNERDS at NeuralDSP.com for 30% off, a whopping 30% off any of their plugins. Worth noting, you get a 14-day free trial with any of their plugins with no credit card required. So if you just want to see what all the fuss is about, you've got a whole two weeks on them uh, with any of their amps and effects. Now this week, I'm checking out the Pliny plugin suite. Pliny is one of the most innovative and refreshing electric guitarists of our generation. His distinct sound combines an unusually wide variety of styles, progressive, fusion and metal, all with impressive fluency and elegance. Neural DSP uh, designed these plug-in amps a bit differently for Pliny. They engineered his dream amps and effects from the ground up to perfectly cover the vast dynamic uh, tonal range that his music requires. These amp designs were then obsessively modelled with extreme accuracy. The result is three refreshingly new amplifiers, a crystal clear clean, a tight and articulate rhythm amp, and a powerful and defined lead amp. Virtual amplifiers that are not only unique but can also excel in their styles. Here's a track I built using only presets. Presets from the Pliny suite and a bit of synth in there and drums. Perfect for elegant soundscape tones, super cleans, and some great 80s lead tones too. Check out for 30% off any of their amp and effects plugins. Yeah, the little bass thing actually has the most in common, I think, with the four stroke. Whilst it's a different, it's class AB in the four stroke and class D obviously in the little bass thing. But the, but in, in terms of layout and controls, it's the same with sort of the orange side and the black side of the mm. controls. The difference with the four stroke is I think you get like a parametric EQ, like quite a good range of EQ controls plus gain and volume and it's 300 watts, but because it's class AB, that's very loud indeed. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, you know, that, that that's a good little backline and a couple of rock of fifties. I mean, of course, most people are bringing their heads, you know, 90% of bands are only going to be using the cabs, but whether it's cabs or heads, whatever you're using, they're just a, it's just a really good company to have kind of backing you up. And and it was consistency between stages because even the little aces and eights, you know, had a pair of four, four 12s in there. 
Actually, yeah. they had a 410 for bass in there, which was, I think, wise. But, you know, just a... Uh, just great to have them on board and a great selection of amps. So um, what what did you use in the end? Well, uh, because, you know, it's it's a festival, isn't it? I'm not going to cart around my entire bass rig for it. So recently I've moved to using a couple of Ashdown ABM 112 cabs. They're their Neo cabs. They're great. They've got a little handle in the top and you can carry them both, you know, at the same time with the handle in the top and they're super light. So I, I'm very happy with those because it's a big difference from carting around my big cotton wool lined 15s that were in 410 <laughs> chassis that weighed Love a ton. It. Love yeah. it. <laughs> it's very nice to have those. And they're great. And to be honest, you know, when I when I played through those 15s and it's an amp close to the floor, I guess sometimes, you know, you do miss having the the tone hitting hitting you at head height or body height, you know, at least. Whereas having the two single 12 stacked now, it's kind of like having a mini 810 almost right yeah but have, um sorry i was on. gonna say have you it just just reminded me whether we've talked about this on the podcast so i was in a covers band uh for a while when i was in like my mid-20s with most of the people were like 15 to 20 years older than me but i was like oh you know just play a few gigs and earn a, earn a few pence and i remember the bass player great guy he played a, a five-string ibanez but he, his bass rig <laughs> he had an I'm pretty sure it was an 18 and then a 15 and then a set of tweeters. Oh, that is the most 90s rig. And I was like, and I just, I just suddenly thought, I was like, Joe, have you ever considered going for an 18? Can you even buy an 18 inch speaker anymore for bait for, for bass players? But not not anymore. Not anymore. So subby. I mean, that's why I always used to love that Mark bass two by 15. Yeah. It's just, it's just, Umphy. Yeah, I really like so the idea of two fifteens. Actually, I think that's great. I mean, obviously, that's what I had previously separately in cabs. It's just when you're in a five piece that use several tunings, so you have to bring multiple guitars, and there's a sax player. Your synth player has three keyboards. You know, mm. it, it it starts to become difficult to fill even a long wheelbase transit, which we, which yeah. we have. So, <laughs> so the move to the two twelves. So the the whole thing with with loading up the back of a a band van for tours is Tetris. So it doesn't matter that I'm moving from one cab to two. It's actually better because they're smaller and you can get them into little spaces a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but but yes. Yeah, so I so I didn't bring those. Didn't bring any of those. I just brought my head because recently I've moved to again for the reason of portability. I stopped taking out my ABM 600, which is, I still think, you know, I really like the sound of solid state stuff just across the board. I think it's a, a great solid state head, but it is big. Um, and because it's in its own, you know, sort of uh, like chassis, mm. uh, you can't rack mount it as such. It would need to go into a hard case, which ends up being pretty much twice the size of the head itself. It takes up a lot of room is, is what I'm getting at. So right. I moved to this little um, um, uh, Ashdown to these uh, original 500s. They've actually discontinued them now and think just do the original 300. So I've got one of the 500s. It's uh, it's just Class D. It has like a five-band EQ on it. I leave everything flat. I'm, I just use that head for volume and then I have a preamp on my board. I'm using the Sansamp Bass VT. Um and using that for for everything. That's where all the all the tone is coming from. And then 
just just a little bit of clean power from the head obviously a bunch of other pedals on the board as well nice. but uh but yeah that's the set so that was all i had to bring which was kind of kind of nice um what about um what about on the guitar front because one thing i've noticed from uh going to a few gigs recently certainly bigger gigs now is just how few amps you see on stage at all like hmm. I, I i don't know yeah i guess you know and you know especially where i'm you know working and and the kind of inquiries i'm getting like so many people are just being like we just need to switch out you know partly mm. for convenience partly for just like consistency um i mean I, I went to one gig and the support band quite a small support band were um had the classic backline of like fender hot rod, hot rod deluxe um <laughs> But yeah, I think now as well, just for looks and presence on stage, you just don't see guitar amps on stage at all. No, and I no. wondered if that's really start, you know, whether that's really in your scene or not. A lot of people are still using amps, I guess. Well, the thing is that my scene is like super broad. You know, that people call it math rock, but it's like we're a prog band. You know, and doom bands get lumped into that if they're if they're weird and interesting there's a lot of like math rock has got this indie edge to it so more interesting indie bands might get booked there so there's a lot of different people at these shows but crucially that also means like quite a few age groups and it's interesting seeing how those split up as well because you're absolutely right i saw a lot of um a lot of helix there right interesting uh, yes and and i think mostly actually around a lot of the younger players and i think that's probably because excuse me <coughs> oh, oh, I have to cut that. <clears throat> uh, I've I, just been a bit sick <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think crucially because Helix is so is such an accessible price point. Um, you know, I, I know that, that you know the Boss GT stuff certainly is as well. But because Helix was there for such a long time, I think at the accessible price point, I think um, well established. Uh, yes, it's well we established, and a lot of people go for it. Um, on account of that so yeah so an, a surprising amount of helix and uh hx stomp being on boards with a couple of other bits but no amplifiers certainly in the younger bands certainly with the more cleaner more major scale uh sort of math indie bands that was definitely the route that was taken there and you know the younger bands essentially which is of course where you know there was that article that came out recently i can't remember who printed it about fender dominating that festival mm, yeah um, we spoke about it a bit uh, a few weeks ago didn't we and how i mean loads of people have picked up on that recently and how fender are certainly uh dominating yeah. sort of n- newer players or younger players or a more diverse range of players and styles. Exactly. Whilst Gibson seemed to be doubling down on sort of your classic rock guys, you know, for, mm. for you know, they, they, the two companies have never been more different. They're certainly almost carving up different parts of the marketplace for themselves um, at the moment. And you absolutely saw that. Uh, you know, the, the the younger bands largely were using digital stuff. Sorry, were, were using Fender coupled with digital stuff there was so much fender there of course yeah you know the the bands that played uh after polymath on the boston music rooms a band called boss keloid um who are more of a uh, sort of sabbath inspired doom band um you know they rocked up they had a green amp um the other guitarist was playing through a 5150 um the bass player w- uh, um actually brought in an his whole own rig uh, including cabs and it was a big messer rig and they were playing through 
um, Hagstrom. Uh, there was a Gibson in a chainsaw case, but that was a spare, so I didn't see what came out of that. I think the only things that came in chainsaw cases were Les Pauls. Is that right? Do you know? Uh, oh, God, not, I not don't sure. remember. It doesn't, doesn't matter especially, but, you know, certainly, you know, an, an older sort of like 90s Gibson there. Uh, Hagstrom Viking on the lead guitarist and singer. Nice. Um, what was the bass? For some reason, that's... Oh, it was a it was a double humbucker Music Man Stingray, but it looked like an older model. And then the other guitarist was actually using a Dunnable. Um, oh, uh, right, wow. So, which which was pretty cool, but uh, but obviously, but he, they had Gibsons there as well as as kind of backup guitars, and that was way more. You, you, you know, never has there been a sort of age separation of equipment like the sort of plinky plonky Fenders of the young bands and the sort of you know high output humbucker loaded. Gibson. I know that's almost a bad example. I've said, you know, as a Gibson band and it's a Dunnable and a Hagstrom, but it's, it's that vibe, it's that feel, it's that look, and it's that sound. Mm. And, you know, those two things are, are very different. I would say the best tone of the entire festival, uh, I actually heard at Aces and Eights, that tiny venue, crammed in. I was right at the front with maybe, you know, 30, 40 other people uh, crammed in there as well. It was a band called Sang Freud who I – Listener, if you want an exercise in subtle, clever, tasteful rhythmic work, the, these these guys were it. They they reminded me where they 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 have quite a sort of Radiohead meets Portishead vibe to them, um, and the the guitarist, a fellow called Charlie Barnes, plays um, a uh, he has a, a, a gorgeous um sunburst telecaster which he's put a strat neck on um and he plays it into a a fender twin an old fender twin um he's a he's a young fella <laughs> you know he's in his he's in his mid-20s and just his guitar work was incredibly incredibly tasteful using um on on the floor had a used reverb on on the amplifier of, of just on all the time all of his sounds would end up with with that um, an MXR microamp was the backbone of his sort of coarse cutting tone, but his drive pedal was a rat. Nice. Which love I thought it. was great. I loved it. His board was so simple. There were maybe five pedals. It was on like a piece of ply. Like he didn't even use Velcro. There were like cable ties putting the pedals on, which, you know, normally I'm like, Ugh, you need to get your, get your equipment <laughs> sorted, sir. But he was probably the best guitarist there very tasteful and just tonally excellent and it's just testament to you know he probably uses that rat because it was probably the first distortion pedal he got mm. but what he gets is the best possible tone because he knows that pedal inside out and you know yeah. i guess it's it's sort of the opposite of what it's you and the, uh, more, more me what what we do I, you know i change my board every other gig it's you know? the player that makes the gear <laughs> exactly. i guess isn't it you know um and yeah i think that's great you know in some ways it would be it would be interesting to and maybe this is a patreon topic joe i'm thinking off the top of my head if we had to hit the reset button now you know mm. not if we were going in being like what would our first guitar be but if we could we could start oh. again what would we what would we buy right now if we've been playing oh. for a while and where would we go would we still have crazy pedal boards would we go for something different i don't i don't know i guess you know there's a lot of really interesting players out there and great players you know um inspiring a new generation of people 
like um you know like the the her you know her that her custom strat and yeah guy like um thinking people like Corey wong and stuff like that <laughs> you know that obviously appeal to like real gu- guitarists you know like guitar guitarists i guess but also you know music that's way more accessible people just going well he's not using a bunch of gear do you know what i mean it's just like a clean sound yeah. so um yeah i, I wonder not yeah. i think there's more pedals than ever but i think it's interesting <laughs> that there's probably a lot of people just going i don't need that isotope and native instruments have teamed up to create the start to finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for plus you dear listener get an extra 10 percent off with guitar nerds by using discount code nerds 10 at the checkout on isotope.com from the creative spark to the final touch their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins the music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Oh, it's, it's definitely um, a, uh, a trait that I have that I wish I could change. Obviously, it goes hand in hand with doing the, the jobs that we do. But, you know, I, I wish I'd just picked one thing you know one one guitar and you know f- four pedals and just learn them inside out and that and that you know i, w- that, I wish that's what i was doing <laughs> that is definitely that is one thing that i've and i've come to sort of realize recently <laughs> is you know having i've just kind of i've been packing a bunch of stuff away and i've kind of gone right well i, I just need to have like you know my demo pedal board for work and then my my bigger pedal board out there's just too big to put i can't lift it to put it in the loft anyway and i'm like i really need to like <laughs> learn how to use this pedal board and what i can get out of it because mm. i think maybe you're, you're the same as me in some ways jay it's like when you can't get something or you try for two minutes to get something out of some of the gear you've got you go oh i just i need to buy something else or i, I need to buy the the pedal that fills that hole as it were or yeah. i mean i've had like a space on my pedal board before and gone oh, i really need to put a distortion pedal there and i've got like 30 and i'm like yeah but none of those ones <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a different one that's exactly what i always do like, you, you know i've got that uh, custom pedalboards.co.uk board mm. um and and it's fantastic but it's because it's small it's, it's wonderfully compact but 
it's very specifically designed basically for pedals with in that normal format with top mounted jacks because mm. otherwise you can't really get anything out of it yeah and so I, I exactly the same i found myself like a bit you know i love I've said this many times on the podcast. I love my MXR Phase 90, but I was like looking around on the internet being like, maybe I need another phaser with top mounted jacks. Why, why am I doing that? Why? (laughs) I've done that so many times and gone, you know, I've got like, you know, some great stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't just not that one, anything (laughs) but that one. And uh, I think, you know, we've said it before, but I've kind of like finally settled and I've, I've kind of changed the layout on my big pedal board a bit. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, right now I just need to, I need to learn how to use it. Oh. Well, there you go. Well, that's, that's exciting. Stick to that, Matt, and, and do just that. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe I should talk about my little demo pedal board for work then. Yes, let's do it. Um, so I've kind of, you know, obviously if I'm going to go out and about or, show staff anything you know can't really you know it's got to be an all boss pedal board which you know is no problem for me in uh in general but i was like need to put together one that not only fits my musical style and taste but i guess is also something that um i could demo you know some potential on you know a wide range of different things um and of course it will be boss stuff so what i've done oh it's an angry dog outside um what i've done is i've built a pedal board around some of the new stuff um but okay. also some classic so what i've got ev1wl so that's how, how many pedals on this board okay uh four five six six pedals that make sound and right. two pedals that our Control. utility i guess what um what what board did you go for first uh so i'm using of course i have to use uh or i am using some boss stuff so bcb 1000 ah, that's our nice little nice. wheelie suitcase that's pedal the board coolest board like it's such a good idea I and mean, i find it weird that it's boss that thought of it in many ways like why isn't this something other people have thought of it's an excellent way to carry to carry boards i know that is how you carry like things like the pedal train pro it has wheels on it and a handle at the top but doing this on a smaller pedal board is an excellent idea yeah so and i think the thing i like about um the thing i like about the bcb is that obviously it's a nice rigid metal um like actual board that then comes right. off it screws into the bottom so it comes off and you can put everything underneath it oh i all see the cables so it doesn't and work like the 30 or the 90 no where... no it's totally different so it's kind of like a a um samsonite suitcase if you will I see. Yeah. and then yeah you take the lid off and then there's a and then it's the board is in there already there's no power supply included but you can put a power supply underneath and then it's like a metal frame board um that you can take out so you can tie all the cables and everything neatly underneath and oh, you know, that's make cool. it look nice and pro but it's it's designed to fit on the majority of like uh airline carriage specifications in terms of size right so you can kind of you know it's easier for touring and stuff like that so I'm using that, and that's one of my favourite boards. It's great. It's sturdy. It's on wheels. I can wheel it places. I don't have to like worry about things being too heavy and carry it around. Um, so I'm using a GT1000 Core as the controller. I guess that's what's doing all of the most of the effects, delays and reverbs, apart from a couple, which I'll talk about in a second. But most of the like signal chainy stuff, I guess. Um, so the guitar goes in, 
It goes, so is that mid, you're using the MIDI function? I am using uh, MIDI yeah. functions as well. Um, it's a it's a kind of real mixed bag, but it seems to work. Gave it a bit of a test drive this afternoon. Seems to work really well. So the guitar actually goes into the SY1000. SY1000. SY200 first. And then what I've done is I split the signal. So I go out of the output. And then I also go out of the effects loop send. And you can wire the SY200 inside for like direct. So you can kind of effectively run like a parallel chain, I guess. I see. Um, so you can run dry signal and then an affected signal. The, the output, the dry side goes into the standard input of the GT1000. And then the affected side goes into the effects loop return of the GT1000, right? I see. Okay. So you can then, inside the GT1000, split the outputs. So you've got a left and a right output. And then you can... So what I do is I split the outputs so they're, like, not stereo, effectively. So you've you've now got a signal path that goes in and then goes to two separate outputs, and they're totally independent. And then what I do is I put the effects loop 2, or the, the effects loop that the um, SY100 goes, uh, 200 goes into, into the right output. So the guitar signal comes in, but the effects loop 2 only goes out of one output. Ah, very clever. So you're kind of like, you effectively split the signal, and then because you place the effects loop right at the end of the signal chain, before the output you get um you get just the synth sound out of one output and you get the dry out of the other but then what so where, do, where do you send the synth sound in that case? well actually i'm running both outputs and this is going to sound stupid um but it definitely makes sense if you're running bigger rigs but i actually run both inputs into a jc40 um and the reason i do it is because i just wanted more dry sound yeah underneath the sy uh 200 and i wanted the ability to add synth sound originally what i was doing was looping um or using i wanted to affect the sy200 separately and then it not be so muddy between a stereo setup i see so rather than everything having reverb on it what i wanted was like a really cavernous reverb just on the synth sound but then obviously you've got a dry output so you're getting a, a more straight ahead dry sound if that makes sense um and then i realized by running that signal chain if you've got the effects loop 2 going straight into one of the outputs you can actually then put effects in between that so then i'm like oh i can have delays and reverbs switch on and off just to affect the synth output very cool so so, so what so what are you doing in in terms of that then Guitar nerds are teaming up with Music Nomad, and I, I really think, nerds, you need to check out musicnomadcare.com. We've spoken about all their wonderful guitar maintenance products on the podcast, and, and I really can't emphasize how important it is to look after your gear and how easy Music Nomad make that for you with things like their, their how-to advice center and their setup hub. Music Nomad have been around for a little over 10 years, and in that time, they've become one of the most recognized brands for guitar tech gear. They're available worldwide in every guitar store you can think to name, and it's for a good reason. All their products are professional-grade quality. Every tool, and even the cases the tools come in, are designed for proper, rugged, on-the-road use. 
make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad as they are redefining and raising the bar for equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com or follow them on social media with at musicnomadcare. Well, so I'm, I'm using um, a, well, mixture between different patches, but then <laughs> I was like, I need to put some other pedals on here just to fill out the pedal board space. So what I am doing is then running both outputs, so the synth output and the guitar output, into the, into an RE2, so they can both be affected by space echo, but only the synth sound then goes into an RV6, which I might change into like a DC2W for like a big chorus sound so you've got like synth and chorus do you um, get two ins on an on an re2 you do stereo oh, in yeah, and stereo out, and the, yeah. the signal chain runs like stereo in stereo out um and then i run into a looper and then in the other effects loop i'm running a jb2 and then i'm using the gt1000 to switch between the two modes so you've then got two distortions you know but coming from one pedal which is quite cool um and then, uh, yeah, I'm using an EV1, which is our wireless MIDI foot controller, although it's got a MIDI out, but it's like a MIDI foot controller into the GT1000. So now I've got, like, expression control over the SY200 and the GT1000. Um, and it's a kind of just, like, again, coming back to that, like, learning how to use it, but it effectively allows me to split a synth sound and a guitar sound. And uh, because you've got stereo in on the looper and it's stereo out, you know, they, they are discrete pathways. When you're running two speakers either side, you can kind of loop this big cavernous synthy sound and then play over the top of it without all of it just like mushing into one mono yeah. output. Well, this sounds like the perfect thing to couple with that cab that you have that you recently purchased, the Zilla cab with two separate, yes. with two independent inputs for each speaker. Yes. So, well, it was a, a tiny modification, but yes, there's effectively... Um, we talked about it maybe three or four weeks ago, but effectively I needed to sh- shorten down the stuff that I've got here, I guess, uh, for the time being. And I, and as I said before, love the two one twelves in the mini stack, but they're closed back. The top speaker is very punchy, especially when you're using it at home mixed with the other cab that I had, which was an oversized one twelve, which was open back with a big speaker. They just didn't work together at all they had this really especially next to each other just a really direct speaker and then a much more like open airy speaker and i just i just never could get those two amps to just two amps just sit well with those two speaker cabs i tried two amps into the two 112s you know the mini stack and again the top speaker is just too direct when you're using it at home so i was like what i need is a two by 12 um and and what i'll do is i'll run I'll set it up so rather than them running in series, one speaker into another, that they've both just got their own speaker jack on the back. And uh, just so happens that I've managed to find someone in London on Reverb selling a Zilla 2x12 in a, and it's effectively like a mini 4x12. So you've got two 12s that are diagonal. Rather they than look great. Ra- they look great. Rather than one on top of the other. Um, so you've got a bit more spread. Um, put two similar speakers in there, or similar power handling speakers, and then uh, wired the back plate up so it's got a speaker input for both speakers. So if you've got a head that's got two speaker outs, you can still run both, or you can still chain them together 
um, if you wanted to using like a Palmer speaker box. Um, but it allows me to run two heads into one cab, but they're running on their own independent speakers. And I guess you'd Very kind useful. of say like, why would you do that? And and like I said, I think a few weeks ago, that pedal show had actually done the same thing. And I was actually talking to Mick and Dan about it by complete coincidence that we'd happen to do things on parallel. And then I'd saw their video. But part of it is just, again, it just allows the dry signal to cut through a little bit more, but have a slightly yeah. more modulated reverb heavy or delay heavy wet signal. And, and then still just like have your guitar cut through a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, to- I totally get that. It, it means that you can make the craziest stuff more crazy without really losing the foundation of what you're playing. Yeah. It's, it's very useful. I don't know why that sort of thing isn't just a switch on all two-speaker cabs. Yeah, I, I don't... I guess... Yeah, there must be a way to do it. I'm sure there must be. Probably I just think because it, it, it would someone be more wouldn't. standard, you know, than, than just a than the occasional mod that people do. Yes. Because it's a great way of being able to use a dual rig without having to take two cabs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the cab looks... Uh, although there's a real odd, odd colour mismatch, which annoys me slightly, is that there's a blonde cab with a brown front and then I've got a pink amp and then, like, a more kind of... I don't even know what pit... Um, morgan amps call their color but i'm like i really don't oh, match it's in like color the, it's, yeah you've got like it's like a sort of a tawny gray yeah it's of kind thing, of like a it? voxy kind of yeah tawny sort of thing but anyway you know looks aside i'll, I'll deal with it but it um <laughs> it is it makes a big difference and actually as soon as i plugged it in and i got my pedal board well actually even without the pedal board i just went guitar into a layla p split and the reason i did that is because you still have to make sure that when you're coming out into two amps, that the two amps are running in phase because you could still have those two speakers out of phase. Right. Um, but just straight in, I was like, instantly, it just clicked. And I was like, yep, that is the sound. That's what I wanted. You know, the 212 is um, semi-open back. So it's got the airiness, two speakers, two high-power speakers, loads of headroom, super clean. Um, it just works. It just sounds better. And I'm like... I love the other cabs that I've got, and I think Zilla still makes some of the best cabs out there. Um, the uh, the issue is you've just really got to... If you're going for two cabs, two speakers, or two amps on stage, you've got to match the cabs. Hmm. I, I Honestly, I think you've got to have like similar cabs or a similar, similar setup in some ways. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, you could pair a Fender and a Marshall... But I think, you know, you'd want two combos. You wouldn't necessarily want a 4x12 and then a twin. I'm sure people have done that to great results and maybe when you turn it up a bit more. But I just find that, you know, two similar cabs always sound best, in my opinion. Yeah, you, you're probably almost almost definitely right. But, um, yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe the same for, for bass stuff as well, perhaps, but... <laughs> Well, there is that thing, isn't it? There was, uh, I think, the late 90s, early 2000s, you saw lots of bass players going for a 410 and a 115. That seemed to be the sort of stack rig of choice, almost, the the sort of the compact version of lugging around an 810 mm. was those two combos. Uh, I've heard people say that, you know, that people argue that the response is different between a 10 and a 15, so it creates a sort of, you know, a little an, an issue there. I, I'm sure that you know when you're when you're stacking that rig up in the dog and duck and playing over the the jukebox 
it probably doesn't matter you know so so i don't know but but certainly i i never really cared about that sort of combination i've always found tens to be just a little bit toppy i guess a little bit bright and trebly on on base that said i've always got on well with eight tens so i don't know if that's the amount of i have no idea <laughs> dear listener why that is the case but yeah never never 100 percent got on with a full 10 but then i i don't think i've ever really owned one uh always gone for 15s and mm. and 12s so it's probably just it's probably just more my ears adjusting to a particular type of thing and yeah. i and i think to be honest when i'm at home and i'm sure this is the same for most people and probably why you know a lot of you know real guitar nuts who are kind of maybe not doing it as a full-time job but more as a hobby um tend to have more stuff like we were talking about earlier just because you critique it more because you're perhaps you know you're sat in front of it at moderate volumes or you know low to moderate volumes going oh not so sure not so sure and you're always just like maybe i could get this and it would change it and stuff like that i think like you say if you may be using it in anger a bit more well you're kind of hearing it in a different way and you're going yeah it sounds great i don't know I think I've said it before on the podcast, but I feel totally conflicted between these two almost juxtapositioning parts of of my love of equipment. And that's the guitar nerds me versus the gigging musician version of me where, you know, the guitar nerds me wants to have all this stuff and I don't know, you know, use an Alder and Ash pedal board with, you know, the lovely, lovely wood and loads of pedals and complicated switching. But when it actually comes down to a gig, what I need is something that is as rugged as possible and so a wooden bass pedal board is not the solution i'm looking for you know and i need you know and it's it could be i I pick pedal boards then but it could have been anything the fact is that despite all the stuff that i buy and i listen i know this is a well-trodden topic i still play the same jazz bass that i've paid played for yeah you know you know whatever 10 as long as we've done this podcast i've owned that bass and it's always been sort of the the main one and i've obviously you know it's very well documented i've had lots of other things bought other things and claimed that they were going to take over and ultimately they never had and i mean this at portals when we were at portals we often get it but you know some people came to the front whilst we were setting up or packing down one of the two to you know have a little look at our pedal boards and take a photo and um and uh, one fella in particular was he came over to to look at mine and he was he was like oh i thought there'd be more because <laughs> my board is is actually there's a gap there's a there's a space on my pedal board for goodness sake i haven't even filled it like since since we played the last show and i, I had that that issue with a power supply so um I sort of cut down my pedals just to the bare bones because I knew I didn't have any tours coming up. It was only uh, festival shows and you don't really get sound checks at those. So I just need to know that that board's going to turn on mm. um, and function properly. So it's just the – the it's it's a Boss uh, BC1X compressor, an MS3. I've got the Fuzzrocious Little Fella drive. I've absolutely fallen in love with that drive. And the Sans amp that it runs out into, and that is your lot. Um, there's there's obviously a tuner on there. I used the little TC um, Noir. I can't remember what that pitch, but I can't remember what it's called. Their one, but I used their little tuner, and obviously there's that little FS seven um, foot switch to help control the MS three, mm-hmm. and that is that is everything I've got on my board. You know, other than the power supply, it's it's incredibly minimal, and and obviously has a load of gaps on there as well. So. But then, you know, that that almost is testament to everything that the MS3 does because 
one of the sounds I use the most is is ring mod, and I, I don't know if you think of all the very expensive ring mod pedals there are out there. I, I'm still using the MS3 ring mod function. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> just coming back to like sometimes. You know, I must admit, as as much as I tend to hate to admit it, like plugging in this pedal board this afternoon, um, I'm just like, yeah, it's got less on it, but I love the sound straight away. And I'm like, and I was like, oh man, I should have put the SY200 on my big board and stuff like that. And, you know, you always just like, you find a sound and then you're like, oh man, I just want to use it. Or like, I just tend to find now that I've got this smaller boss board, I'm like, actually, it's slightly more enjoyable because it's a couple mm. of single pedals and then GT1000 doing a few things I need, and I just sit and play it more. Like, the amount yeah, of times I yeah. plug in my big pedal board and I'm just, like, messing around with it so much, I'll, I'll spend an hour creating, like, one, like, patch on the ES8 with everything plugged in. I'm like, I've just wasted an hour. <laughs> like, I could have actually, like, made some music at this point. And that's what I actually, sometimes I like about, you know, plugging in, um, plugging in some simpler boards. And I when, hopefully... Uh, in the not too distant future, we're we're thinking about uh, moving house, and when I've maybe got a bit more space, I think I'd I'd like to challenge myself just being like no pedal boards. You just pick a couple of pedals out of the uh, the cupboard, as it yes, were, Matt. and just go yes. right. What am I What am I playing with today? Um, you know, you're getting older when you're starting to rely less on a pedal board. I know it's <laughs> terrible. Bloody terrible. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm, I'm feeling very inspired by seeing Sang Freud and, and, you know, just the simplicity of that setup. I mean, for a start, I want to, I, I think I do have a rat somewhere. I assume I do. Um, but I'll probably buy another one. Oh, that's the opposite of what I'm talking about. See, it's inevitably going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to have to hunt down a, a type of rat. But I've never really cared about the rat. Even when it was the year of the rat last year, I was like, this is fine. They're just, you know, I just never have never really got on with them tonally but hearing them coupled with a telecaster and a twin and sort of played in that sort of johnny greenwood-esque style i was like this is this is the coolest sound i've ever heard Mm. um so yeah i'm I'm gonna be inspired to do that we'll see nice one piece of gear that i did find very useful that i used to pause this this might be getting a bit boring a bit dull dear listener the that um as a as a topic or, or it might seem very obvious to you but um I do a lot of switching between playing with a pick and fingerstyle. And, you know, we don't, uh, I know I have a mic for talkback, but because it's an instrumental band, I'm not really near a mic often enough to use any of those sort of mic mounted plectrum holders. Um, So I use the top of my scratch plate um, on the jazz bass. I fit it in there. It kind of limits me to bases with scratch plates. You know, it's one of the reasons I've always kept the jazz because that that you get used to that motion of like you know of of grabbing the plectrum from there and being able to put it back quickly and, and move back to finger style. And I love playing my fifties uh, reissue P bass, but of course it has a, a gold anodized scratch plate on it. There's no wiggle room on those plates, so there's no way I can get a, a little plectrum in there but i know that dear listen there are solutions for this in like you know i remember when total guitar used to sell those plectrum holders with sticky backs that you could put on your guitar or something um i i know tom peters from alpha male teapot he uses them i just think they look terrible <laughs> this weird plastic block stuck on your guitar it's just awful but um 
but yeah, so I needed a solution. And at when we were at the Birmingham Guitar Show, I went over to see the wonderful James at James's home of tone. Um, he, of course, had some right on straps, which is another thing for me. I don't really I don't want to buy um, straps made out of meat products uh, at all. So finding like a vegan strap is tricky when I also wear my base under my chin it means I have to get something <laughs> that goes down to yeah I have to get something that goes down to 34 inches which is which is not that common often often they won't do that and you know like the sort of wider they're generally wide sort of leather straps that have the the separate sort of buckled bit that you I don't know how to describe them. Do you, you know what I mean, Matt? The, I those know what type you mean. Of straps. Yeah, those things. They never go short enough. I love the look of those. I can never get anything short enough. Anyway, right on straps. Do a. It is a conventional uh, sort of belt style um, strap, but it does go down to thirty four inches. So that was I was I was excited by that. It's a vegan strap company. They had some great designs. It was this lovely sort of imitation suede on the underside with this cool. Um, you know, sort of Spanish style pattern uh, on the front of the strap. Very tasteful, all browns and golds, right up my street. Um, I was really into it. And so I got that, picked that up from James's stand. And the thing that I never really considered when I looked at it, but it has a little plectrum holder on the on the yep. end of the strap. Yeah, because I've got one. I've got a, yeah. a black and orange. Really good straps, really good straps. But yeah, nice little cheeky plectrum holder there. Probably most people would just leave one in there and forget about it, but you're actually going to use it in real time. Yeah, yeah, which which I have been. I still use the jazz bass, admittedly, for the show that we played, but um, at you know rehearsals leading up to it, I, I took my, my P bass last week, and I was just getting used to the motion of it being in a slightly different place, like the plectrum being up on the strap end instead of under the plate, because I have to do it quite quickly sometimes. But it's not too too different, to be honest, because of, I guess, of how high I wear my strap, that those two points are quite close together. Um, and it's great. It's a great idea. It's actually a really good solution. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not the only person that, you know, plenty of guitarists finger pick all the time. And I know you guys can generally cup a plectrum in your idle two fingers, um, when when finger picking and then sort of move back to it that 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 you know that's not something I can do because of I guess the way you play bass finger style to plectrum style doesn't it doesn't work out but it's very useful it's such I, I, it's such a boring standard thing but I'm like this is actually really handy this is a really good idea I I um I wasn't sure if you're gonna say oh I was gonna say because you play the bass so high rest it on your chin or your chin rests on the bass, should we say, that you just keep one in your mouth and then when you need it, you sort of just like slowly spit it out and then grab that, hold of it. That would be far more impressive. Matt, that, that was not too far from what I used to do. And there is a good reason that I stopped. I used to keep plectrums in my mouth when I play and uh, and switch between them that way. The reason I don't is because I'm not as fit as I used to be. And I... Um, generally speaking, with the amount that I throw myself around live, I am pretty out of breath a couple of songs <laughs> in. And uh, we we did it once, and I got so out of breath that I sort of took a deep oh, breath. I've done and, that. Uh, I've done that. And the plectrum went right into my mouth, and I nearly swallowed it and choked on it. No, so, I actually did do that and swallowed a pick, <laughs> and then had to be you sick. Sw- what? You swallowed a? Ple- how does that even work? How do you fit a plectrum down your throat? Uh, well, I was using jazz threes at the time, so. <laughs> 
Matt, that is awful. Did you get it back up? I did. I, I, oh. I had to admit, I did. I, it, it, it came out the same way it went in. Oh, I'm so glad it. it I'm so glad it did. Um, but yeah, that's why. After that point, never put a pick in the mouth again. <laughs> Oh, that, is um, that is hilarious. So yeah, so right on straps, much better for that because you can just put it in the little pit holder. Exactly, um, exactly. But yeah, that is um, definitely a, you know someone you know someone obviously thought of that when they were making that strap. Going, we could tack a little pit holder on there. Someone will use it for the right reason. And uh, there you go. But they are really, they are really lovely. Right on straps, they're um, great. Check they're out, great straps. Check out their website, dear dear listener. They do an awful lot of stuff like conventional, subtle straps, like simple things. But they also do like you know interesting pattern strap. They do those wider straps with the um, the sort of latching. Well, I, I can't think of how to describe these straps, dear listener. But you know they they do the wider strap with the sort of buckle based latching, and they do the more normal strap thing mm. as well there's lots of cool stuff on there and lots of great designs there are actually some ukulele straps on here that i'm looking at now that do you even uh, own a ukulele I, no no oh no uh, ukulele straps are short enough for me to uh, wear. of course <laughs> ukulele or crazy bass player straps yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah we'll see i might uh Hmm. I, I might invest in some more, seeing as this is a, <laughs> a solution to me me playing playing more stuff. Um, now uh, let's we we are we are running short on time. Um, well, I, I I put a new story in here, Joe, which I, I think would ma- oh, actually may, maybe yes. make a good Patreon topic mm-hmm. um, about uh, for for listeners. Maybe the main one we should we should mention what that is, but maybe talk about this this. Uh, Something that doesn't really happen in the UK, which is someone found a 1960 Les Paul in their cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that is much rarer over here than I think it is in the states. Mm. So, yeah, that's def- that's definitely worth um, a discussion. In a, in a few weeks, we're still pinning down the final dates, but uh, in a few weeks, dear listener, um, we're going to be joined by uh, Joel from Chase Bliss to talk about the habit. Mm. Um, yeah, we should uh, maybe we should dedicate a few minutes to talk about this because I don't know if we talked about it. Maybe it came out when I wasn't on a pod, or maybe you talked about it otherwise. But um, I think initially I held off talking about it because you know we 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 were looking forward to getting Joel on the podcast. Just our calendars sort of haven't quite aligned for the last couple of months, almost now. So you know, so it's 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 worth actually talking about mm. it. Well, I don't really know how you describe it. Um, I mean, they say habit is a delay with a memory. They basically sold it to me when they went 60 seconds of delay. We've, we've tossed a whole lot of echo into the habit fripatronics and then i just sort of like fuzzed out from that point i was like oh, that sounds great. <laughs> um, but effectively a really long delay pedal. It's a digital delay pedal. I guess you would say that has a kind of analog feel and modulation to it that constantly remembers everything that you feed into it up to, I think, something like three minutes. Is that right? Or did I make that, that up? Is, I think, no, that, I think, I think I that's think that right. So yeah. um, it effectively has a, a, yeah, I guess a recording function that's always on. And at any point, you can just tell it to start playing back something it's recorded in that in that time. 
and then you can kind of manipulate it in various ways which is just really unique and really cool i mean you know we're at the point um now where i can't think of a genuinely like new effect that doesn't exist i guess if you know what i mean like everything is a take on something else and to kind of look at it and go you know they already make the tonal recalls a fully analog uh, delay with digital control you know they've had great success with the mood and the blooper the blooper being their kind of crazy looper with loads of mods in it their mood being the kind of um collaboration between drolo effects and old blood noise so you've got kind of a reverb delay and then like a short looper on there this is kind of more of a digital delay that takes elements of both i guess but gives you a kind of everything from a real crazy looping delay to um you know even a kind of more classic like multi-tap delay yeah but i just love the fact that it always records you can at any point you can as they say you can scan back into the history and play moments from the past um which i which i like i think just a great idea of i I could definitely see me using this because i was first i was like oh it'd be a great delay i guess but actually in some ways just using it as something of an ideas machine you know well that's 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 what they refer to it as a musical sketch pad Mm. uh compositional delay yeah that's what they call it and i totally agree um i I love that they managed to do all of that with rotary controls so if you know like me dear listener you're finding everything that matt's saying a little bit intimidating um about the habit and and certainly i have in the past and it's probably why i've never owned a chase best pedal is how intimidatingly complex they sound the fact that they managed to keep it all you know across six rotary controls and a handful of switches is is very impressive Mm. yeah i think you know really hands-on really creative really tactile i guess is you know what i would say is it's like you know something like the habit i feel that you could dive into really easily and sure it might make a bunch of bleeps and bloops which you know i'm certainly into as are a lot of other people but it's like yeah you can just kind of you know just plug it in and i think it would create a lot of cool stuff and cool ideas definitely is like an inspiration machine because i you know i've been using the microcosm a lot from hologram electronics and it's very much like an expanse on the kind of things that maybe the mood can do um but it does lack a few things. I mean, again, probably just need to sit down and actually use it in a bit more detail. Um, <laughs> but this, I feel that I could have this on the board at the same time and it would do anything from like delays and stuff like that. But certainly coming back to stuff that you've recorded and then kind of using that as a, I guess like a sample generator. You know, one thing I've always thought is quite cool for pedal boards is like having like, you know, having a loop on your pedal board that's got a load of pre-recorded loops. I know... I think, did you used to do that in polymath with the old Digitech Jam Man back in the day? Yeah, we used to use the Jam. Jam Man was the second iteration. It all used to be done on an Akai head rush before and then and then a Jam Man mm. stereo after that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I always like the idea of having that sort of stuff in there. Um, but I certainly like the idea of a 60-second delay. Mm. Um, I think that is very, very cool. Um, I will say, also, I did a very Matt Knight thing with the habit. Um, I I checked out the manual yes, uh, that you came did, with Joe. it. And the manual is excellent. Um, Chase Bliss manuals generally are, but it's like they understand that this is daunting and complex. 
And so their way of teaching you how to use the pedal is very organic. It doesn't just give you eight pages telling you every single thing that each control does individually. It allows you to learn the pedal in a very hands-on, real-time, using everything at once fashion. So it will mm. give you presets. It will say, you know, put put the six rotary controls here and the three little switches in this order. This gives you this type of sound. Now simply use this control to modify it through these parameters mm -hmm. and you do that and you're like oh right you understand what that individual control is doing and how it's affecting the rest of the pedal and then you know it, it'll ask you to do that again with a handful of dis different presets so you get used to how each control can impact the rest of the pedal it's very good very well thought out i mean you know just a lot of work had obviously gone into the manual as well and just excellent tutoring i thought by mm -hmm. chase bliss yeah yeah, I think, uh, again, another success hit. And I look forward to having uh, Joel and um, Nobs uh, oh, yes. yeah. on the uh, on the YouTube channel, uh, on the YouTube channel, on the podcast uh, real soon to talk about the idea. I think um, Scott, who is Nobs, the YouTube channel, um, kind of the inspiration for so many other pedal demos out there. Um, yeah. And a, you know, great um, kind of trendsetter for the look and feel of so many pedal demos. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he's now part of their like product design team. So he kind of really comes up with the ideas and helps, you know, work and create these things. And I think, uh, yeah, they've both done a fantastic, fantastic job. Indeed, they have. Well, that, dear listener, brings us up to the end of this week's episode. You can, of course, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar notes. We're going to be talking about this 1960 Gibson Les Paul. Uh, that was found in a cupboard and uh i don't know maybe the fact that i threw up on myself in an uber <laughs> <laughs> which one's more interesting for guitarists i yeah, think exactly. it's probably joe branton in a taxi <laughs> you can become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month at the dollar tier you get this episode ad free and early every week five dollars gets you access to our patreon special and our back catalogue $10 gets you the lot. Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.